Welcome everybody for today's new episode. We are very excited to have my guy on, this guy right here, man. I think the first time I heard of you was when people were just talking about, yeah, yeah, Jason, he's a he's a significant guy. He works for Hightower Petroleum and you were getting the award for the African-American Chambers, the Bright Award, is that accurate? Was it called? Yeah, I got the Bright Award. Yeah, you got the Bright Award. And I think that was the first time I actually seen you in person. and. I was just hearing everyone rave about you. I'm like, I don't know who this guy is. And uh, one of the things that I like to do is make sure if I know there's somebody to know, I need to know this person. I think it probably came maybe a couple of years later until I officially actually got to know you. But um, this guy is a part of some amazing organizations doing some great things. One in which I'm participating in because of this guy actually inviting me in. And I greatly appreciate him for that. I think that he's going to bring a lot of information to the table that's going to allow you to understand how to really navigate waters that may not necessarily be as traditional as others. Um, I know he has a story that's not necessarily going to be as linear as other people's, which allows you to recognize that not everything goes the exact same way for everyone. He also is a part of a collective group of people that I want to just get their um, personal experience from because a lot of people can't say that and I think that it's something that should be respected and the perspective needs to be discussed. So with that being said, you all know how it goes. Got to get to the most important question. Let's get that right out the way, which is, do you like your job, man? I love my job. I mean, it's plain and simple. I love my job. Perfect, perfect. And see, y'all know I can't do interviews unless I know for a fact this guy actually likes his job. Otherwise, I'm putting you into a position to potentially stay yourself where you wake up and hate Mondays. We don't do hating Mondays here with these, these, in, these interviews. We try and make people learn ways to not hate Mondays, enjoy their life, because those 40 hours, 68, 60, 80 hours that you're going to work is all a part of your life. You don't get to segregate that. And also, we need to make sure that we bring in you people who are in industries that allow you to live a good financial life. Not necessarily rich or wealthy, because neither one of those things got numbers. But right. people who have numbers <laughs> that we can actually discuss throughout their industry and allow you to realize what type of lifestyle you can live based off of it. So next question, man. Um, we still don't get directly to, just so you, you, you understand, I don't ask the first question uh, being- Right ahead, brother. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm also not going to give away your- your, your actual position. We gonna get to that in a second. So what was the first profession that you ever wanted to have as a that youth? I, that I ever wanted to have. So like, this is like all imagination, you know? Yeah, it could be something ridiculous. When I was young, I wanted to be an astronaut. Hey, that ain't ridiculous. You know, I even had my grandmother send me to space camp. I went to Huntsville, Alabama for a week learned about SBRs and all different kind of rockets, did the float walk, all of that. And I wanted to be an astronaut when I was little. That's what I wanted to do. That's, that's pretty sweet that you actually were able to go off to, to camp for that. What, yeah. what sparked the interest in, in space and being an astronaut? I saw the commercial. <laughs> you know, like so many, so many others, you know, I was watching cartoons and they had a space camp commercial and, you know, my grandmother was there with me and she, she supported most of my dreams. Um, even though, you know, we did, might not have had, she saved up and she said, you're going to space camp. And that's what I did. All right. That's dope. So I wanted to be an astronaut early. 
<laughs> it was short lived, but that was the first. <laughs> was the first. But see, and I, man, I don't get to talk about certain points until people bring them up. And so I'm so happy that you, you, you said that. Like, it's so important that parents, like, you all have to recognize how powerful it is to invest in that child's dream, regardless of how ridiculous it may sound to you because of maybe your personal aspirations and things that you've seen done. But to have a person step in and say, you know what, you said you're infinite, bet, let's get you off the space camp. I don't know if it was an easy financial decision to do this, or maybe they just needed you out the house because you was eating too much of the food at that age. Uh, either yeah. way, <laughs> yeah, I know how I go. <laughs> way, um, what made her, if you, if you know this answer, uh, what made your grandmother go ahead and, and say, go ahead, go, we gonna get you into that program that you wanted to be in? So, I mean, my grandmother, she was a business owner, just like my grandfather, and they worked and they were really big into exposure. So, you know, it was as many things as you want to try. I'm going to support that as long as you are trying because standing still just wasn't an option. So if you've got an interest, I'm going to let you explore that interest. And, you know, you might not hit it, but at least it'll start, you know, crafting and forming how you think. And you'll be able to apply it in some other area of your life. She was, she was really big on that. Yeah, freaking love that, man. That's that's. That's special. All right. So I get into this type of stuff. So before we before we even get to it, because the next question following this one will be us actually getting into details about what you do and, and that lifestyle. But what turns you off? Like, it sounds like you said it was short lived, but what stopped you from becoming an astronaut? Uh, probably ADHD or something like that. You know, <laughs> I wanted to do everything. You know, I was a curious kid. So, you know, as, as, as soon as I picked it up, I was on to the next thing, you know, and, and really didn't start to narrow down until I got into something that really covered a breath of what I was doing. But, you know, I'm going to hold off on that because I know you said you wanted to wait a step before you get into what I actually do. So, all right, let's. All right, man, forget it. Let's do it. All right, man. So, go ahead, give them your official title and what it actually means, because titles tend to be flashy and make people think they know, but they don't actually know. Okay, I'm the CIO at High Towers Petroleum Company. I also manage the shared services for High uh, High Mark Construction Group, HP Energy Co, and Next Gen Fuel. And CIO can mean a number of different things. It can mean chief innovative officer. Uh, but for me, it means, means a chief information officer. And pretty much what a chief information officer does is, is all te technical aspects of the company um, as far as project-wise and as far as uh, foresight uh, into development. So I'm going out and I'm shopping for and researching the latest technologies and seeing what's applicable to my company in layman's terms. Uh, it's my job to then, once we discover what way we want to go, uh, engage with certain companies to figure out how uh, we could implement this and start to negotiate the contracts and cost. So in a nutshell, anything that has to do with the infrastructure of my company that has a technical aspect to it, they include me on. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I, do. Mm -hmm. I said, and that's what I do. Yeah. So I, I've always really had an interest in understanding where you all find this kind, this, this, this actual 
product that's going to be cutting edge for your companies because it's always this it person that either was in a training and they're like ah so i just learned about this new thing because i was participating in this organization and we have to get it because we're behind and this organization is already hit but i'm sure there's another place where there's just a lot of information out there for you all to research and acquire or you just on a deep web looking for different things and i don't know if the deep web <laughs> is the dark web I don't know if that's the same thing, but yeah. yeah. It's not, but it's all good. Um, for my industry, it's the same as any other industry. We have share groups, we have trade shows, we have networks. Uh, so like uh, one group I'm a part of is Evanta. Uh, another group I'm a part of is the CIO Roundtable for the Cincinnati Chamber of Commerce. And just like anything else, it's just about communicating with your peers and seeing what they've heard through the grapevine and then participating in your major tech companies, different events. So I used to go to a Microsoft Tech Summit and there's probably about four of those in the country every year and then they have them internationally. But you just go there for like four days and do nothing but test products, sit in forums uh, from different instructors who talk about the new releases of what's coming out and how to apply it to your business. And so getting out there, doing the networking, it's all the same uh, from IT to anything I've ever been in, even if it was music, you know, it's just talking, uh, engaging in that community and building upon each, you know, one of those relationships until you get your answers and then getting your answers and then bringing them back to the people that you were talking to and saying, hey, does this make sense? And if it does, you know, how did you apply it? And then picking that apart and, you know, drilling down and drilling down and drilling down until you actually have a solution that's uh, feasible for your, your workspace. Okay. Well, I hope this doesn't blindside you, but based off of what you said, how much of your job is sales? Because it sounds like you go off, you learn something, and frankly, you were present for the training. And that's the catch that a lot of people tend to forget is like, I was the one present for the training. I'm the one truly back here seeing what we have and understanding it to the level in which you do and now i have to go sell it to my company to make them believe that this item which may cost us several thousands of dollars or more um we need to invest in so how much of, of your job is actually sales and did you get any training for that or was that just on the fly so actually like that's a huge thing and i joke about this often that like 50% of any tech conference that I go to where it's just us sitting in the room and talking about our jobs is about how to talk to the CEO and the CFO. So like talking to our bosses without making things too technical, uh, being able to put the ROI or the return of investment return on investment in front of them and laying it all out to where it makes sense to them. Because oftentimes, you know, if you walk into a room and it's 100% tech talk, the same tech talk that you had with the representative before, you know, that, that's like a, a foreign language to the people that you actually have to get the buy-in from. And so you have to break it down. Sometimes it even came down to me saying, this doesn't make sense today, but it will. And trust me, this is the trend and we need to be on this trend so that we aren't left behind when certain situations like this happen. So you know, instead of saying, you know, well, if you connect this to this, it does this. And, you know, that can get lost in translation often. So, yeah, a big part of my job is selling uh, or really getting the investment from 
my uh, C-suite, which is my executive staff, which will be my CEO, my COO, chief operating officer, and my CFO, the chief financial officer, because it all has a cost too. <laughs> so, yes, it does. Yes, it does. All right. So go ahead. And it sounds like there's a story there. So I have to ask uh, in the initial thing that we talked about, which is sounds like there was something that grabbed your interest over here and led you down this path for your life. What was that? So I actually started like kind of in left field with graphic design. Um, long, long time ago, I used to be on forums back in the day, you know, even before MySpace. So you had your Black Planet, you had, you know, all of those things. And that was the introduction to me, you know, using HTML, which was actually web development. And, you know, a lot of people were doing it and they didn't know that they were coding. You know, you're coding because you were actually putting the sparkles that fell down, you know, your profile or you changed your profile picture or you, you know, change the scroll bar from uh, what it was gray to a custom color. You were a coder back then. And I didn't know that. Um, but that's actually where I got my interest in computers. Uh, and I was doing everything on the computer from an early age. Uh, my mom, she actually bought me a compact presario, something back like in 96. And, you know, I it, don't tell anybody about this. Just kidding. But um, actually stole my first copy of Photoshop on LimeWire. Um, that's how old this is. And it took like six days to download. But you know, once I got it, it was it was on. I was just, you know, I'm gonna learn everything about this program. And really even getting on the back end of it, just showed me that I had a technical side to me, even though I was messing with the creative. And graphic design really carried me all the way up into the beginning of my career with high towers. So man, that's how it sparked my interest. Okay. Okay. So man, you give so many different things that I think are so important in, in, in one sentence that I have to like dig into each thing. Uh, but you mentioned your mom. Now just talk about your family for a second. And because it seems like there's a pattern of investing in the actual future and the family. Because because we talk about grandma invested in you, we talk about mom investing in you. I don't know how many other family members decide to invest in you, your cousins, your siblings, or anything like that. So if you got a second, go ahead and just if, if there's any actual story there, because it's like, why? What's the thought process behind this? Because we know that it's not necessarily something that's very common but it's extremely important. Yeah, so I had a huge family and really the stories are countless. Uh, even all the way up until I moved out to Monroe where I live now, we all lived off of one long street. So uh, you're talking about six different families within a family that all live off of one main drag in, in Middletown, Ohio. And you know, there wasn't any one person that I could say invested more other than my grandmother my grandfather and my mom, but each and every uh, one of them definitely put something in the pot for me. Uh, I currently work with uh, three of my cousins. Uh, they have two or three children that I also work with. Uh, before I even got the high towers, I was doing uh, political organizing with my cousin Stephen, and he put that seed in me. Uh, you know, 
it goes back and back and back and back. But everybody had to be doing something. And if you weren't in motion, uh, then you were kind of like on the outs, you know. And, and so it was very important to just grab a little bit from this person, grab a little bit from that person. And they always had something to give when you went to grab. Uh, my uncle, who is the CEO of Hightower's Petroleum, is well known uh, in Cincinnati marketplace, Stephen L. Hightower. Uh, you know, even when we were little, uh, he was always, you know, poking at us. Hey, hey, you got to learn how to speak. You got to learn how to speak. Uh, there's nothing more important than speaking. You got to give a speech. He used to make us line up and give speeches, you know, so like just little stuff. Like every person had their thing. And it was, you know, it was a, it's truly a testament. Whoa. It's truly a testament to, um, you know, you know, how much forward thinking came out of our entre entrepreneurial spirit because my grandfather started his first company in, in 1953. So, you know, everybody was working and then everybody was researching. Everybody was going off, sprawling off, living their own life, but they all brought it back in. And, you know, me being the youngest kind of of my generation, my, I have a younger brother, but he was kind of born with the generation under me you know, I was the youngest, I was a baby, everybody could pour into me, you know, everybody went out and discovered and could pour back into me. So I was just fortunate for that situation. Clearly, clearly, man. So that's the part where I was like, we're gonna, we have to start talking a little bit about that, because it's not often I get to have this conversation. So if anyone's watching, and they want to get into this conversation about Du Bois versus Booker T, because frankly, I talk a lot about trades and people doing jobs, opposed to, I'm not one of the people that I hear like, you need to be an entrepreneur. Guess what? You, not everybody's going to be an entrepreneur. Like we can't work on any of these devices that me and you are doing this without people working inside of a company to produce these things. Not everyone is going to be the entrepreneur. And even in becoming the entrepreneur, you're most likely going to have to have a job and hopefully you don't have to hate your life while you're doing the job in order to acquire some of the capital to pay for your next venture. So the average person is going to have a job. And with that being said, I don't interview people who are entrepreneurs, at least at this moment, I will get to them at some point because I need people to have an actual blueprint that's capable uh, that anyone's capable of potentially going through and acquiring. Not, maybe not easy, but been able to do this because at the end of the day, an entrepreneur has way too many variables that makes their job not necessarily promised. The restaurant industry, I would love to own a restaurant at some point. But that's one of the most famous businesses that fail. So to, to act like you're just going to be like, oh, I'm going to have the best tasting food and great prices, so I'm gonna win. No, <laughs> you still can fail in, in as an entrepreneur. So I, I like talking about, I like talking to people who are currently in industries that they love doing work for a company and earning money from that company. With that being said, you are a part of a family. Clearly you work for your uncle, as you mentioned, um, the, the company has your name on it. What is it like to be a part of a successful business successful family business uh i can tell you this it's nothing like what anybody tells me they think it's like <laughs> everybody thinks that it's uh you know it's it's a lot sweeter than it is but you know it's actually a bit more difficult because when we have to go through our problems throughout the day um you know if you ever had a heated exchange with a coworker, you know at the end of the day you can leave 
and go on about your business. But, you know, when we get done, you know, toughing it out and going through the, through the changes, really, we would then be at Big Mama's table at, at 6.30 eating dinner, sitting right across from each other. So you have to kind of learn how to switch it off. Uh, even though you're working 24-7, uh, you kind of have to learn how to switch it off when you, when you have those regular, you know, talks like, uh, oh, how was your day other than seeing me all day, <laughs> you know? But uh, beyond that, uh, we work harder uh, than anybody else because it's our name on the billboard. Uh, I think that, you know, when you've got that sense of pride about where you work because it's connected to your name, um, and not being an owner, actually being an employee. So like, I'm a part of corporate America, you know, I'm not an entrepreneur, as you said, I mean, I may be in other endeavors, but for this, I'm a part of corporate America. Um, and, you know, going into the work, you know, every day, putting in that amount of effort, you know, and having that, that billboard say my name, it adds that much more pressure uh, to get it right and get it right the first time and represent because you know right now high towers petroleum we're on a global scale we do uh fueling all across the united states canada and mexico and we've even uh you know uh journeyed into africa with our endeavors so you know it it, it really is tougher working for a family business i believe it i absolutely believe it i mean you said people expect certain things. I mean, you hear a lot, I mean, when you talk about the bus family with the Lakers, they talk about a lot of infighting in those types of situations. So I definitely don't perceive it as, as easy, but I think that you hit something on the head, which is related to, I mean, the importance of seeing your name on there, the legacy, the pride, the fact that it's like, this thing has to succeed. Like it's too much connected to me and my family and what, the, what we're gonna do in the future why would I not invest as much as possible? I mean, that that probably also brings a little bit more trust in the times that the person that you're arguing with uh, or having a disagreement with, you, you, you trust them a little bit more regardless about the, the argument because it's like this person has the greater good in mind, in theory. I, I, I don't know your family and everything going on, but I'm saying in, in theory, I, I picture it's like this person sees us as a part of him. It's not really us versus them. And so for that reason, even when they're arguing, they're arguing for us. Yeah, the thing about trust though, you know, a, a trust can, a lot of people apply it to the positive, like I trust you, so maybe that's a good thing. But you know, with us, we know everything about each other. We grew up in the same house, you know. So, you know, not only do I trust your strengths, but I trust your weaknesses. And really having that foresight to know, um, I know where you do well at, I know where you don't do well, that common bond that we all have allows us to perform at a better pace than just, you know, you working with a group of strangers, having to work with each other for a year, and then develop that bond. So that's another caveat to it, you know, but trust goes both ways. Definitely, man, definitely. Okay, I, I had to touch on that because it's not many people that can talk about this type of experience and talk about the importance because we're in a world right now where, yeah, we're talking about the black dollar, we're talking about black businesses, we're talking about small businesses, especially during COVID, uh, hoping that things are going to flourish and succeed and people survive through these tough times. Uh, the, the eyes are, of course, on big business, but a lot of the conversation on smaller business. I don't know exactly where you all fall. I feel like you all are probably more middle, right? 
you all aren't necessarily small and you're not like officially big, big, right? Right, right. Message. Um, <laughs> Coming through the computer, man. All good, all good. That, it, that's like back in the day with uh, drinking juice in the hood. While, uh, don't be a menace while drinking juice in the hood. Message. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so tell me, uh, you, you said something, so I'm not going to, I remember everything. And one of the things you mentioned was how when you go to certain conferences, when you're doing certain things, you start noticing trends and knowing what trends are on the out, what trends are coming in and what trends are going to be the future. Right. Maybe, and I'm sure like people in the tech industry, the people like yourself, you all tend to, from my perspective, so yeah, you're, you're locked into what's going on for your business, but you're also just really infatuated with technology. So you all tend to learn more about just random things out there connected to your industry. Yeah, so based off your smile, I can ask this question. What trends do you see in the future, whether it's with your business or not with your business, that's gonna impact the world that other people may not be recognizing right now? So a big thing, you know, big buzzwords in my business is like, and especially if you were paying attention to the election where clean energy um, and a lot of people hear it all the time, but they don't understand what it would mean to actually come to a, you know, net zero usage of petroleum products. Uh, you know, there's an entire infrastructure across the country that would have to be replaced or retrofitted for us to go to 100% clean energy. And what does that look like? Um, right now, there are a lot of speculations, but who really knows? Uh, and that's when you start, you know, looking at the comic books and you see the city of the future and all of those things that, you know, the, the car that operates 100% on battery, we thought that that would be something that wouldn't come for what, 50 years? Mm -hmm. It's here now, you know, uh, but where do they charge at? Where, you know, where, where's this infrastructure? It transforms the way the country looks. It uh, transforms the way the country operates. Uh, you know, we're talking about smart rail. Uh, and, and I mean, I'm not even getting into the deep, deep stuff. I'm just getting on the surface level of what's been presented to the country because, you know, if, if I've been to a DOE briefing, which is Department of Energy briefing, and they're talking about, you know, things that, you know, really would space you out. Like, um, they're talking about black holes. So, you know, and, and that's why I don't want to discuss things of that nature, because, you know, like you talk about something like a black hole, and they're saying that the periodic table of elements is only 18% of all matter in the universe. And that just like completely blows away everything we ever learned as children coming through school. So, you know, I, I try not to go super deep off the, you know, deep in because there's a lot of things that I hear that are that sound like science fiction. Um, and so, you know, it's just about what what audience is it relevant to? Yeah, yeah, I definitely understand that because I mean, while we always talk about uh, there's no we haven't discovered living life on any other planet beyond ours, like 
similar to what you're saying, I mean, you find different, I mean, I think they were like launching something out there to take something off a of meteor because it was like gun to, or asteroid, because they would have gotten, gathered so much information from the galaxy over time and maybe even material like you're talking about that we don't even have uh, on the uh, periodic table. And that's where I come to like, how do we actually know we're the only living thing? Because who says that the way we define living is the same on every planet? How do we not know that some planets adapted and some things adapted to something that doesn't need trees like we do? That's that's the Earth's rules and gravity is the rules well, on our planet. But you know, everything is different. Like, well, we ain't about to get into aliens. <laughs> you suck me in like a black hole. I see what you did there. You, you got me into it. <laughs> I heard about an artificial black hole. And when, when I say the black hole, I mean, I'm talking about one that they've recreated here on Earth. So. That's what we're actually talking about, artificial black holes here on Earth, not what's deep in space, what they actually have here. Like, a lot of people don't know this. Uh, the uh, DOE actually has uh, super labs throughout the United States. And they, you know, we're talking about computers the size of football fields. There's like 17 super labs. And um, that's why they're trying to get a lot of kids into STEM, because, you know, we've got kids 13, 14 years old coming up with, you know, the next cures for X or the next, and, you know, coming from where I come from, that wasn't fathomable. So what they're trying to do is get in front of all these children and let them know that, hey, you can be this by an early age, you know, discovering the next, you know, why or discovering the next when or discovering the next who early on, you know, you just got to get engaged so you know what's possible because, you know, there's a lot more possible than what we are, you know, experienced with, especially coming from certain places that we come from, and especially in the Midwest and close to Appalachia. We just don't hear about it. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. So taking some steps back, let's we're going, go ahead. We're already out of space. So <laughs> not, we're not doing an out of space conversation anymore, unless you got anything deep. And you mentioned these black holes being on the planet, which is even wilder. I got me getting ready to Google something after this. Yeah. But outside of that, you hit something that is, I mean, people talking about energy and the types of energy out there right now. That's definitely a conversation. And I drive a, 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 a an electric car. I don't. If I drive an electric car, where am I going to recharge my car while I'm on a long drive, a, a, a road trip across the country? Talk a little bit about that, like, because some people don't necessarily understand how much infrastructure has been invested during a time in which no one's seen the the natural resources in which we use in the ways that we see them now, and perspective perceptions on these things we're just like hey man we're making the world better and making life easier through the way that we're doing this and the infrastructure we're investing into this country and practically all the countries around the world so that that's pretty much how the country is set up so can you talk briefly about like what it would take for our our country to be able to and even the world to adjust to a different power source it may be easier than i think it is but I definitely hear what you're talking about with the infrastructure because it sounds like it'd be significantly um, costly, <laughs> like expensive or whatnot. Right. And, you know, just to clarify, you know, I've heard what I heard. I'm not even a subject matter expert mm -hmm. on the matter. Um, 
it's been told to me that it would take 56 years to, you know, redo the entire infrastructure to where we were at a net zero with uh, oil. But, you know, then you hear the president step out and he puts a, you know, a timeline that's before then. So which president? The, uh, Biden. Okay. That, that's why I asked because I'm like, there's current sitting and uh, right, right. on the way. But the one thing people have to realize is that everything that happened in technological advances up until like the 80s, I'm talking about since the beginning of time to then, happens every 10, now five years, over and over and over again. So it's kind of hard to put a timeline to anything with the way that we're advancing because, you know, like, for example, I went to a micro center the other day. And I wanted to buy, you know, a thumb drive. Um, used to could get like a one gig thumb drive for like 15 bucks. They don't even sell them anymore. Um, because, you know, just how far we've gone with storage, there was a company in Dayton that was a data center. It was the size, you know, it was many acres. And the amount of storage capacity that they had on that acreage would now fit in a small room. You know, so like I said, we're, we're growing in leaps and bounds unlike ever seen before so you know to even call it at this point would just be you know speculation 100 percent. but sense. people are thinking in that direction so you know what's coming how's 5g going to impact what you do do it has like it going from 3g to 4g to 5g has that impacted your industry and the technology? How has it impacted technology as a whole? Because if I'm honest with you, I got a, I got um, one of those. Uh, I'm not going to say the brand anymore because I ain't getting paid to be promoting. Right. Um, so I have one of those products that you know was connected to slowing down their products. Uh, mm -hmm. Whenever a new thing was coming around to try to get you to buy a new one, they said it was more just to try to make sure the processor, whatever. Uh, so if I'm honest, I've never really seen a big difference between 3G, 4G, 5G. I feel like I've always waited the same amount of time. I might not have. So, well, you know, it seems like that, mm -hmm. but only because you've went from 3G to 4G to 5G, like, and so on until whatever, because the bandwidth that you needed to run an iPhone, the very first one, isn't the same as right now. So they're building to make the experience faster, which, you know, it's catching up to itself because, you know, like back in the day, why would I ever need a terabyte hard drive for it? You know, oh, but now I got two and three. Two. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, you know, at most our files used to be in kilobytes and that's, you know, this big to a terabyte, which, you know, I can't even stretch my arms wide enough. So it doesn't seem like it makes a difference just because we just continue using. But actually, you know, if we had to use what we're using today on that bandwidth back then, we wouldn't even be able to use it. So when you ask like, how will 5G benefit me? It just gives me more bandwidth. Uh, and possibly gives me, um, depending on how they build out the network, a greater ability to connect to devices in remote places. Because we do a lot of site work uh, where we do like fueling at sites that may be, it may be a, a cell phone tower up in a um, mountain 
how do I connect to that if I don't have a physical wire by satellite or by cell tower service? So if I get faster download speeds, then that means I get more real-time data. And when I get more real-time data, I can paint better pictures for my executive team. That's how 5G changes things. That's how the next G changes things, you know, and so on and so on until we no longer create at a bandwidth that we can catch up to the speeds that we're downloading at and operating at. I guess you make a valid point. I, 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 I realize I wasn't watching Netflix or whatnot. <laughs> 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 like we were streaming 4K movies back in 2000. So, yeah. Touche, you know. touche. So I guess things have changed. Um, and, and so that makes sense. Uh, so as we talk about your actual industry, man, I feel like your industry and your job is obviously one of those industries of the future, obviously the industry of the present, and one in which pretty much every business out there is going to need somebody with at least some level of understanding somewhere around yours, maybe not your highest level, because you're, you're obviously in the C-suite, but Still, um, there's going to be somebody that's needed in the actual IT department, information, like those type of those inter, uh, those departments and whatnot, because it's going to help them stay on top of their game, produce probably a little bit more efficiently and as effective as possible. So can you talk about some of the other organizations that your degree and your skill sets could transfer over to if you were to potentially say, all right, I'm going to go to and work for a different company, a different business, which right now I don't really see a major value because they don't have your name on it. <laughs> right. But if I was going to go to another company and work in any other capacity, like uh, in, in the technical space, I would probably have to go study for six months. Really? And the reason why I say that, you know, I just painted a picture of how technology changes and, you know, we're doing everything we've ever done in history again, five years. So if I took five years and I stayed in one space to jump into another space, I'm, you know, I'm fresh. Do I have the skill set to actually maneuver and navigate that space? Have I heard some of the terminology? Yes, but I would probably have to, you know, pick up a book, um, which most people don't do anymore. Okay, let's pick up a tablet and, you know, go to Audible or go to Coursera and you know take a take a certification and you know jump back into that space and what that does is it tells people out there that you're not that far off of me from jumping into this space if i've got to go back and study we're actually like here and here other than the network and the ties and you know the education outside of technology we're, we're neck and neck mm -hmm. uh, and it's one of those things where you have to continuously put your study down and evolve with. Um, but yeah, I mean, go ahead. So how do you, you, you're making good points, especially knowing that the industries out there, all of the industries that have some type of technology connecting to them is requiring that people who are vets in the game have been in these industries for so long, constantly stay up to date because there's a young kid right now that's grew up with this technology, plays with technology that you're using inside of your company just because just like you at a younger age had an interest in infatuation. So they're coming out of high school already prepared to at least touch some of the technology, maybe not read it the same way or understand the business the way that you do, but they're ready once they get that information 
download into their brains from whatever way of acquiring information they need to, whether college or trade, I, I definitely think that there's, there's that constant area in which you have to always, always be learning. So how do you, a lot, I mean, it sounds like you have organizations that you're connected to, but how do you fact check and, and, and confirm that what you're using is not dated? And how do you always try to stay ahead or at least with the pack as in the technology update, updating as it comes? So um, being in a technology leadership position, you know, I find the areas that are, you know, the education most affects where I'm at. Um, like I just did, a, you know, some data analytics uh, just because it's helping me paint the picture for my company. Um, I took a course with Duke through Coursera, uh, got a certification in that, um, you know, but like you said before, the network is what tells you. Uh, I'm a part of a CIO roundtable. I've got six, seven companies around that table and they're continuously feeding me what's important in industry on a diverse, uh, diverse array of companies. And I'm able to then take that information and, you know, consume what I can uh, consume what I must and, you know, discard what I can't and move forward. And that's, 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 that's important right there. The, the, the point of information sharing, having people out there that is, and being a part of organizations who essentially understand your perspective, what you're going through and can inform you in advance. Hey man, <laughs> you might want to get on this right now. This is what we've been doing all the time but we don't want to be out of date and, and get left behind. So that, that's, that's, that's definitely cool. Can you uh, go ahead, let, let, let's get to the part in which you break down your path to where you are now. So uh, I don't know if that's starting coming into college, but if there's something important that happened in high school or earlier, feel free to include that in your, in your path. Okay, um, so like I said, I had to start in graphic design. Um, I had an internship. I was at Miami University um, doing graphic design and political science um, as a major minor. So um, I was in a political space and also in the graphic design space. I stuck more with graphic design. Um, I had a few positions in between where I landed at high towers, uh, but they weren't really relevant. They were, you know, like you said, jobs to get by jobs to pay the rent and jobs to definitely put food on the table. Uh, I moved back to Middletown in 2010 and joined my family's company. And they really kind of sat me down and they said, I, I don't really have a seat for you. Come in, we'll give you an opportunity, you know, to, you know, get in where you fit in essentially. And if you don't fit in, then you'll be out. Um, and so I said, well, you know, what are my skills? And I had this skill of graphic design. Um, I had a computer in my hand since the beginning of time. And, you know, I sat in that seat and I started working on the marketing materials. Um, and in working the marketing materials, I got to build my business acumen because I actually got to talk to vendors. I actually had, you know, the back and forth uh, with the board. Uh, and Well, there wasn't a board at that time, but what we called a board, which was, you know, pretty much our round table and, you know, discussing, you know, what initiatives were coming up and what needed to be done. And, you know, I sat in that seat for probably about a year or two. And every time something broke, 
I got called like, you know, just because I had touched so many different technical things before I pretty much became the in office tech support, even though we had an MSP, which is a managed service provider who would send somebody. And I was also in direct communication with that person so much that they just had me start managing that process of, you know, if the tech guy needs to come here, uh, you handle the tickets, you handle the calls, we'll shuffle everything through you and this can be another added point. Um, now, as far as progressing from that point to where I am now, I actually did go back to school and went to ITT Tech and uh, picked up an NSA degree. I said, you know, I, that's Network Systems Administration. And I said, if I'm going to be sitting in the seat where I'm going to be managing, um, you know, different aspects of the technical infrastructure and how we're working uh, with our managed service provider, then I'm going to understand the Active Directory or pretty much where we set up all of our employees, or I'm going to understand, you know, how this connects to that. And we did everything in an uh, NSA degree. Uh, from, you know, like I said, working in Active Directory to, you know, breaking down, you know, a, a phone cable and, you know, putting a new top on one. And, you know, I'm using layman's terms so, you know, everybody understands. Um, but, you know, I, I got that NSA degree and my roles and responsibilities started to expand. And I started actually working on the networking side and the systems administration side and became an IT project manager. So now all technical projects, I started to go out and shop and go out and uh, discover, you know, oh, we need a new printer. Um, show me the bill, let me shop three printers because these printers that we have in office have this certain amount of spend on them and I think we can do better. Or the phone system, I think we can get a new phone system. Um, so let me go shop these phone systems. And in doing that, I started picking up the terminology. I started, you know, furthering my relationships and my network with the vendors in the area to the point where I had amassed a list of, you know, a company that could cover any area or aspect of the business. And that put me in a position really to manage the entire infrastructure uh, because there was no one else to do that. And you find that so very often in these mom and pop shops that, you know, it is one guy and that one guy can be you, but you know, how do you take it to the next level? And that's what I was always interested in. Um, my company, we actually used to go to a show and we still do actually, it's called the uh, National Minority Supplier uh, Development Council. And that's NMSDC. Uh, we have an Ohio uh, MSDC as well, um, but Going there, I used to see at least like 30, 40 rows of companies and how, you know, these are all minority companies for the most part, except for the majors that actually come there to work with diverse clients. But I got to see, you know, oh, we can achieve this. We started off in a 10 by 10 booth and now we have a 20 by 30 two story booth. Uh, so, you know, it was just always about expanding on that skill set and taking those little pieces that I would get um, to say the most important skill that you have to have in it would be uh, critical thinking um, because it doesn't stop when you get your first problem, you know, and you don't have a solution. You just have to come up with the solution. And, and that's really, really how I got to where I'm at as the CIO 
which that title was given to me only three years ago from IT project manager. So just sitting in those seats, um, absorbing as much technical knowledge as possible, actually going back to college and expanding upon that technical knowledge and then applying it, continue to apply it and grinding and grinding and grinding in that space until you are the knowledge center for technology for that company that you work in. And from there, the rest is the rest. Okay. Man, <laughs> I like when I talk to minds like yours because when we talk, I always end up hearing more um, things that I find as trends in these interviews. And one of the things that you brought up was the importance of, of taking on skills, like, like knowing, your, well, knowing your skills and developing your skills and developing your skills in a way that's gonna be transferable for your business. Um, whether or not it's a family business or not, and whether or not uh, you took a linear road, what can be said is there's somebody right now watching this that is currently in a position at a company that they love and would love to grow in the company, but hate their current position. And what they can gather from you is the fact that, all right, I was in a similar, well, you weren't necessarily in a role you hated, but you were working in a company and you knew you could have been optimized, like you could optimize your skills in a different way, but you had to go and develop them in the process while knowing in theory at the time what the company needed to get better. But you needed to know this information as well intellectually in order for you to be able to provide that value to your company. Can you talk a little bit more? I know we. It, it sounds like it's ingrained from the family in general, but can you develop a little bit more on, I guess, I know you mentioned trainings, but are there any other things that you've done to develop skills? And are there any things that you've done to learn the skills that you have? Like that's two different questions and I know that, but a lot of people right now are like, I don't know what, I'm, what my skills are, which is the number one challenge for some people and then going off and developing that. So can you do me a favor and speak on that? So uh, definitely, you know, I, I had to sit down and, you know, map out what were my skills in the very beginning. And, you know, like you said, for some people that's difficult, for some people they know what they can do well. Um, and th th just doing that well day in and day out and just adding a little piece onto the top of that. And then it's adding another piece onto the top of that until, you know, you are something else. You've become another, you know, professional. But uh, I think another major uh, development for me was actually participating in, in a forum like Cincy Next. So I was on Cincy Next class one and uh, I actually signed up to be in C change. And for anybody that doesn't know, these are professional development um, programs with the Cincinnati Chamber of Commerce that are geared towards just growing you as a professional and nothing else. Um, the best, by the way. You said what? Class 14 of Sea Change is the best, by the way. Oh, well, I wouldn't know because I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, did you do Sea Change? Yeah, that was my class. Okay. Yeah. Last year. That was last year. That was 2019. My cousins, like, they had done Sea Change. And so I felt like, you know, okay, I'm next in line. And I was in there and got a call, like, you're not going to be in sea change. And I was like super upset. But then they said, because we're going to start something else called Cincy Next. And it was professional development without a project. 
So I was the project. It was 100%, you know, learning about myself. And one of the first things that we did when we stepped in there uh, was the uh, disc assessment. And in doing the disc assessment, um, DISC, uh, it pretty much is a professional barometer about your behavior. It tells you how you behave and how you act in a professional setting and how to communicate with others that do not behave and act the way that you do. Mm -hmm. So doing that disc assessment and really actually taking it to heart and reflecting on it allow me to grow exponentially within my professional space because anybody that's in corporate America knows that it's more of a marathon than a sprint. And, you know, if you go in there like, okay, I got the new promotion uh, today. I'm going to get the next one next year. It doesn't happen like that. Like you get one <laughs> and you got to tough it out. They, they hired you to be in that position because they want to see you there. And in order to outgrow that, that may be a couple years, especially if you just jumped in it. So, you know, just figuring out how to deal, how to manage on those plateaus of time in corporate America, you know, allowed me to excel because otherwise, you know, if you don't reflect about your own behavior and say, hey, maybe I am an introvert or maybe I'm extrovert, maybe I'm burying this person next to me um, with my communication behavior style, or maybe I need to lift this person up, or maybe this person is the catalyst of a project, but I can't depend on them to grind it out. And you start learning and developing those skills, that's how you grow. That's how you grow and elevate. The knowledge is one thing, but managing yourself and your movements within a company, that's the other part. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh man. <laughs> This, 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 these conversations get to my core because it gets deep into people really being able to assess themselves, learn more about themselves in order to become the version of self that they desire. Uh, that, that's often what we struggle with is, is the fact that they look, we look in the mirror and we know that we could be better, but we don't necessarily know how. I want to also include Strength Finder as, as a good tool. Uh, it, it, usually you get the book and... Uh, Oh well, yeah, Strength Finder. There's other books in that family that allow you to do that same little. Uh, what is it called? <laughs> I was about to call it a training. Personal assessments. Yeah, yeah, yeah it allows you to do that assessment, and that is one of those things I think that helped me because you start to see certain things, you answer it as truly, as truthfully, and as quickly at the same time. That way, you don't allow your brain to process and you're like trick yourself like this is the right answer and click that instead of your right. Right answer. <laughs> and, and that's what people have to also acknowledge is don't try to be something you don't want to be that's generally what these assessments are trying to pull out of you and frankly in you in the process of you trying to discover who you are if you lie to yourself about what you're actually interested in because you think that that's going to be the most cost efficient job in the future if you decide to convince yourself that you love the idea of becoming a, a doctor and you can't stand blood in reality right. <laughs> and it's like well that was a waste of your time and not something you should have pursued uh, it, it, i think that that's why the conversation about mondays and people being passionate about what they do is, is it hits so home for me is because people struggle with discovering themselves and at the same time they struggle with developing the self that they actually are in order for it to be the best version that they need it to be. 
So what are some, um, I like that. What are some of the indirect things that have helped develop your skills, whether it was a coach was like, did you have any mentors that really locked in on you and said, Hey man, I need you to do this. I know you mentioned your uncle stressing the fact that you need to be able to speak well. Uh, but I don't know if there's, if it was solely in a family, that's absolutely fine. Or if you had any mentors outside of the family to help develop your skills. So, I mean, in the past, uh, black Middletown in the nineties was, was chock full of mentors. And, you know, because my grandfather was who he was, I knew each and every one of them. So, you know, they gave me the game early. And, you know, I had a lot of what, what they call emojis. So, <laughs> you know, I had a lot of people that really put their hands around me and, you know, helped mold me. And that was early on. Later on, um, you know, I searched for them. I, I searched for mentors and really they're harder to find these days. Um, which is, you know, uh, it, it's kind of tragic, but you know, it, it is the the truth. Especially finding ones that look like you. You also have, you often have to go outside of, you know, those that look like you to find uh, quality mentors willing to give their time. Um, and that's not a knock on us because there are, you know, a lot of us out there giving our time and mentoring, you know, down. But I'm just saying it's been a lot more difficult as of late than it used to be, you know, when I was coming up. Um, one of the big things that I think I've done uh, was executive educations. I did uh, executive education at Dartmouth, um, which was a uh, Tuck um, and Tuck executive education. Uh, we went to Dartmouth's campus as an Ivy League college and spent an entire week waking up at six o'clock in the morning and going until six o'clock in pretty much the evening and learning things that we never would have learned and stretching our brains, not so much to retain everything, but to say, hey, we went through this grueling amount of education together. And through that, most of the people in that class were older than me. And they still, you know, contact me today, ask me how business is going, ask me how things are going, ask me if I need anything, and then asking if we can interface in any way. Um, programs, really. Programs exist in a lot of forms and fashion. And while they may not be that extreme, I mean, because that's a pretty extreme one and actually has a cost that can actually be covered by a, um, a grant. Um, so if anybody's interested in looking at that and they're in their professional you know, career, been in it for a while, look into it. But uh, there are programs that exist all across the spectrum. It doesn't have to be that deep, but people put together experiences for people to develop under, take advantage of them. That's what I did. You know, that's what I do for mentorship, really. So people, I hope you all have caught on to the fact that this guy clearly is an avid learner and he's constantly acquiring as much information as gonna allow him to grow. And what do we say? We say that if you wanna earn more, you gotta learn more. And that's where we have to talk about how education, isn't something that just ends. Like when you, like, cause it, it's funny. I remember growing up where I grew up in Cleveland and I remember the immediate thought of, of many people was like, I graduated high school, ah, I'm done. Yeah. And then you go to college and it's like, I graduated college, ah, I'm done. And then I went and got my master and it's like, oh, I gotta, I gotta keep learning because all the stuff we learning, they, they coming out with new additions for these books and 
Pluto used to be a planet and now it's not. Like, like they, there's there's things that are constantly updating and without information and without understanding of this information then you really feel behind i mean you can't take an attorney from the 1600 say 1650 and, and bring him in not 1650 i'm, I'm way further than i'm <laughs> yeah attorney and putting him and put him here in 2020 and unfortunately it clearly was a him because of the way the country was structured and how that whole thing was going most likely in 1850 why because he don't realize that two dudes talking on screen ain't about to be owned by nobody <laughs> like and that's where it's like you, everything changes time changes information changes and you have to always stay up to date in order to be the best and at the top of your game and I definitely appreciate you breaking down a lot of the tools you've used, a lot of organizations you've tapped into. And I'm just curious to know, man, your CIO, what's the goal? Because <laughs> you're clearly young. I know people may see the gray, but yeah, you are as old as the gray reflects. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I'm young. Um, and to really have- What's the goal? If you can share what the goal is. Um, for me, I don't have a goal. Uh, I'm working um, to pass the time. Um, I see people coming to my office at, as new employees is 50. And I had to learn a while ago that in this lifetime, I may have to reinvent myself, you know, again and again and again and again. If I, if I put a goal behind where I'm at, which is you know, essentially for a lot of people, a mountaintop to get CIO of a country of a company doing 200 and 400 million dollars in annual revenue, you know, what kind of goal would that be? It stops being about position and starts to be about, you know, evolution. Um, I don't care to set formal positional goals uh, as far as income or as far as title or as far as me jumping from this firm and going on to this firm, uh, my goals are, you know, to learn, to consistently learn and be able to apply it so that I will always be self-sufficient. And that doesn't matter if I'm with Hightowers, it doesn't matter if I'm with JP Morgan Chase like I was, it doesn't matter where I'm at. I want to be in a space to when I get to when it's time to enjoy my life, at which I'm not saying I'm not enjoying the journey, but when it's time to stop so much focusing on what earns the bread that, you know, I have enough to eat and not just saying I have enough money to pay for everything that's going on, but I have enough to eat in every, you know, aspect of my life. Spiritually, I have enough to eat. Uh, mentally, I have enough to eat, you know, and just I live a well-rounded life. And that's really my goal at the end of the day. And, you know, a lot of people, um, they look at me like I'm crazy when I say that, but that's just my, my honest truth. You know, a lot of the things that people find important are very trivial to me. So, Would it be fair, and it, it may not, but would it be fair to say that you may have achieved way more, way faster than you expected, which makes the goals you're talking about not necessary because it's like you're, you're adjusting. Like you said, you're always evolving. You're always preparing for the next thing. And it's like, 
to do that may put a limit on yourself because you've already shown yourself that you can achieve more in a quicker time period than say the average person. I mean, I've seen it. I've seen people who make me look like a dud, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I've seen it. So, you know, uh, what's obtainable, what's achievable, uh, you start setting goals. Your only reason you set goals is to get in motion. It'll get to a point where you've set and cracked through so many goals that you're still pushing forward. You're still chugging forward, you know, at a million miles per hour, but it's less about the goals. You're just seeing what you can do, <laughs> you know, I'm, and that's where I'm at. I'm seeing what I can do. Uh, and it's not about accomplishing uh, any one thing. It's just about living this life until, you know, this life has no more life left to live. So you have no hacks, no big, hairy, audacious goals? I'm sure you have to have a couple. My goals, I'm, I mean, I have a couple, but they don't lie within corporate corporate life. And just okay. trying to stay on topic with that, you know, okay. like, like my goals, like, uh, you know, like I talk to my guys in iRise all the time, you know, I have goals with them. I have, you know, goals of, you know, amassing a portfolio, but why? Uh, legacy. I would like to leave a good legacy behind. Uh, not that, you know, I feel like that's super, super important for me, but it's super important if it'll inspire somebody else. Um, like I said, this life only, you only get one or so they tell us. And, you know, why you're here, you have a set of tools and why not see what you can do with them? Why not see what you can get away with is what I often joke with my best friends. You know, like if, if we got this one life to live and we've got this brain, and we're fully functional and we're capable, uh, even those who have less capabilities than us, you know, they still have a shot and they have a chance, a choice to make every day to see what they can pull off. Let's see what we can do. Let's see what we can get away with while we're here. Why not? Okay, all right. Well, I, I appreciate you bringing up the conversation about legacy because in this time period, a lot of people are thinking about their legacy. I mean, in these tough times, people are trying to preserve and are getting a little bit more conservative about their finances. But it's also bringing out the awareness that we need to have multiple streams of income. Now, you, we've mentioned that you're, you're part of the family business. You keep bringing up your grandfather. And so I can't just walk away from this conversation and have never allowed you the opportunity to talk about how the family business came about? How was it built? At what point in time in history and to where it is now? Because you, you all also have several. It's not just petroleum, <clears throat> high tower petroleum, but there's there's other businesses that you all have as well. Right. <clears throat> and um, There's a video about it. There's a couple of videos about our company history uh, on our High Towers Petroleum Co. YouTube. But I'm not going to give you the long version. And that's why I'm saying if you want to, if you want to hear the long version, visit the website. It's hightowerspetroleum.com, you know. But the the short, the short of it, as short as possible, uh, my grandfather and grandmother, they met in Uport, Mississippi. And they came here at an early age. And my grandfather worked in the steel mill. Um, and my grandmother was actually in administrative offices for AK Steel here in Middletown, which, you know, is a really large steel mill. Um, 
here in Southwest Ohio. Uh, while my grandfather would work 12s, he would get off and then detail cars for another six, go to sleep and then do it all over again. So that man was a workaholic. Um, he took his uh, passion for cleaning and started High Towers Janitorial Service. And in having that, he, you know, went to a set of law offices and banks and, you know, he went everywhere pretty much knocking on every door saying, can I get a contract? Can I get a contract? And got a hundred no's until he got a yes. And the, he jokes, uh, he says that the guy told him it'll be your butt and mine if you mess this up. And he said, all right. And, you know, he put together a team of which consisted his kids, his wife, everybody played a part. And uh, they grew that business until it was a pretty substantial substantial size. And then a guy from uh, Toledo came down to buy it. Uh, he sent him on his way. He came back two more times until they gave he gave him an offer that he didn't want to refuse. And uh, you know he sold the company. Uh, after he sold the company, uh, my uncle Steve and and my grandfather went into business and in landmark construction, and they did a. Uh, commercial construction, general contracting jobs uh, under that under that imprint, and uh, they were actually uh, a part of the minority, you know, states uh, jobs list, the set aside list for jobs, and it included uh, everything from you know the delivery of beans to you know all the way over to fuel one day. Um, so the entire state of Ohio contract came up under that set aside, and there wasn't a minority company to fulfill that space because there weren't any, you know, African-American or whatever uh, fuel distributors in the space at the time. And so um, they partnered with Lycans Co. And they actually took the state of Ohio contract from BP. And so you're talking about day one, having to figure that out. They took on the contract for all the uh, fueling sites in the state of Ohio, municipalities, police, school buses, everything in the state of Ohio and they were able to do that job and continue to grind and do that job until you know they were able to get into another space. And then they were able to get into another space and we went into automotive, we went into utilities with Synergy, which then led to us being brought along into Duke and you know, it just ballooned. Um, a decade later, my uncle being a serial entrepreneur, these other companies, you know, just came to fruition out of different problems being presented by our customer base. And so we always held true to the construction uh, that never went away. But then we also started in the energy efficiency space because, you know, there was a big talk about energy efficiency and renewables. And, you know, our, my uncle always had the mind to be recession proof, to be future proof. So if there's a space that may take this business into a decline, we're going to be in that space that takes it the other way as well. And so, you know, that's really the story of Hightower's Petroleum's, you know, evolution from janitorial, Hightower janitorial to landmark to Highmark to Hightower's Petroleum Highmark to HP Energy Highmark. And then we also had, you know, a women-owned, uh, they're, they're not a subsidiary, they're actually uh, independently owned um, next-gen fuel that uh, does the same thing as Hightower's Petroleum that, you know, we kind of mentor in that space. So, you know, it's just a natural growth and evolution of continuously being present, continuously throwing yourself into spaces where not a lot of you are, and, you know, 
growing and evolving to those problems and listening to the chatter in the room as to what's the next and not being afraid to latch on to it. Yeah, man. Well, I definitely appreciate that. I, I felt that it, I would be doing a disservice if I didn't allow you to speak on the family business, the history. Also, I, I don't believe I heard the year. Can you give like the year in which it started? So uh, the cleaning service was started in the 50s. I, I, I had to give you an exact year. Uh, I believe that the, the uh, petroleum business started in the uh, early 80s. Uh, the year is often debated whether it's, you know, one or the other. So, like I said, if you want to know the exact dates, I'm going to send you to the video, you know, or maybe get you a pamphlet or something because, I got you. I got you. you know, we, we talk about it all the time, but it's just, you know, one of those numbers. No problem. No problem. All right. Well, man, I definitely appreciate your time today. It's been a really great and fun interview, in my opinion. I don't know how it was for you, but it was for me. Had a great time. Yeah. Uh, do, do you have anything that you would like to uh, leave as like your final thoughts? I mean, I say this everywhere I go. Uh, if you're the mother of children, if you're the father of children and you undervalue exposure for them, get them exposed to as many things as possible, even if it takes you out of your comfort zone, because you may be creating the next, you know, name your hero. You may be creating that. Um, and all that comes from exposure. So many lives we lose uh, due to uh, being in a bubble, being, you know, self-contained. We need to break these kids out of that. They need to see that they can achieve and achieve at certain heights that we never thought fathomable at an early age. They could be leaving high school, you know, with the same amount of knowledge as somebody who has spent their entire life toiling over, you know, this one thing and exposure is important. So definitely get those kids out there and get yourself out there too. Don't be afraid to network. Don't be afraid to network because, you know, a lot of people think that they'll be called stupid or, you know, they don't feel like they belong in certain spaces. I, I used to struggle all the time with, uh, you know, saying, why me? You know, until I had to flip that and say, why not me? You know, if this person called me for this opportunity, why not me? Um, turn that switch on in your life and, you know, start to participate and don't be afraid to fail because that's all a part of the game. Yeah, yeah, so... My final things I have to stress to you is the fact that during this interview, we talked to a man who is connected to legacy, not just the idea, to actual legacy. And it requires you right now, if you're not already building that, to begin doing that because it takes one person to make the first move, bring in that family if possible and allow you all to grow. Give it time. You may not see it during your lifetime, but as long as you instill it in your, ch your children, your nephews and nieces, you will see that they, as time goes on, can build their own empire, their own legacy that you can be proud of, that they can be proud of, and that their kids' kids can be proud of. Today, I must stress to you, I know we talk about you can't be a prophet in your own land sometimes. Well, why not? Give them a chance. I know you knew them since they were children, but as you see, when it comes to recognizing that this person that was once a child is now an adult, there was some information they may have acquired that I was not present for, but I helped 
invest in them acquiring and they went and got even more separately, I can respect them as who they are, not just as what they were. So I appreciate you all's time. I appreciate your time. I hope you all got everything out of this that helps you to not despise Monday. So like that, two of these. Woo, I appreciate that, bro. 